Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 36, holy crap, for Monday, <laughs> April 22nd, 2019. My name is Joel Duggan, joining me as always is Johnny, or you may know him better as Pixel Riffs from the Survival Guide. Hello, sir. Hello, that's an odd numbering system you have there. <laughs> I didn't didn't realize that he had to append the holy crap suffix to the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the episode 36, but here we, we are. So it's, it's a new trend, like you, you do, you do the... the, the punny outro and from here on out we'll just have to add like a holy crap on a cracker to all the big numbers that we see that i just didn't realize we're already up to episode 36 i mean i know that we just hit 32 and we joked about a half stack and all that kind of stuff earlier but all of a sudden it is the end of april time is flying by i'm probably more aware of it because i've got a birthday coming up and it's it's one of those weird things with podcasting that i found over the years where like you get into a groove and then all of a sudden you're in triple digits and you're like, mm -hmm. whoa, what? Yeah. Uh, and so we're nowhere near triple digits yet on sponge chunks, but it, it does upon reflection uh, when you're looking back at older versions of Minecraft or older servers and stuff like that, realize that like, wow, yeah, 36 episodes of something is not nothing. Like that's no longer like, well, there's only six episodes. I wonder if they'll stick around, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a little bit more substantial than that, right? Yeah, and it's weird to think that we'll soon be coming up on having done this for an entire year, like once August yeah. rolls around, or maybe was it July? Mm -hmm. I think it was July. But like, yeah, around around yeah. then, in a few months' time, basically, like we've we've done three seasons worth in terms of calendar seasons. That is of this podcast, and uh, yeah, yeah, coming up on the year, and having you know just seen Hermitcraft celebrating its seventh anniversary, it's kind of uh, right. That I, I have that anniversary kind of brain going on right now, and it's mm -hmm. it's not even been a full year year since we had the last minecraft update and already we're getting another one which is which is quite exciting yeah no i i uh i am looking forward to it i i i feel like i've been pretty negative about 114 on the show <laughs> but it's Play, th playing devil's but, advocate does that i think that's yeah well that's, yes well yeah and to, to create and that's the thing like to create an interesting conversation if you and i were just like yeah that's awesome that would be the end of that it would be a very short podcast yeah uh but and but i also find too that and, and this is something that i've noticed on the citadel cafe uh because you know we talk about game of thrones on my other podcast and i love that show but i am picking it apart currently mm -hmm. And I'm picking on things and I'm creating entire conversations around things that are really not that big of a deal because the show is very good. And and this is the thing, like Minecraft is not the most successful video game out there for no good reason. Like there are a lot of good things about this game and everybody knows and loves them, but they're used to them. So when new things come out and you're looking for something to talk about, it's a lot easier Unfortunately, maybe a little bit too easy in the internet culture currently to focus in on the stuff that people don't like, would like to see improved, uh, you know, aren't fixed yet, that sort of stuff. Um, but but I, I was reminded uh, after a conversation I had in the stream this weekend, uh, and I, I don't have a lot to report in terms of my, my week in Minecraft. I basically just did a, a bunch of really casual streams uh, on the Citadel server uh, in my swamp base crossing T's, dotting I's, nothing to do with getting ready for 114 other than playing in the overworld to make sure that my iron farm was going. Sure, yeah. But yeah, but it was just it was just like these are things that I wanted to finish and I had meant to finish a long time ago and this is a, a space where it's not necessarily something that I show on video a lot in terms of um YouTube, but it's someplace that I play a lot. Like I'm there to collect bones and witch drops and mine and stone and like all the things that you need to do all the other cool stuff in the game. And 
to me it was just like this just looks like so first week minecraft like it was just <laughs> i didn't care about it because i didn't i didn't plan it to look pretty it's organized but it's not like it was never meant to look super super nice uh and it was more of a you know i built a couple of domes uh they look like warts really in in the swamp but it was i used that that time to like i don't know how to build a spirit a sphere in minecraft so i'm going to try it here because this is just one of these spaces that i don't not that i don't care about it but it's not as important as like Dartmouth Meadows. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've been spending the weekend there just doing really casual streams, not turning them into YouTube videos, uh, hanging out with some folks, having a good time um, and, and prepping for that. But the conversation on stream has been a lot of like, you know, are you ready for 114? Are you updating? You know, what, what are you excited about? And I had a conversation, you know, I had some conversations with people that were reminding me like, oh yeah, you can now dye carpet. You know, oh yeah, you can now um all the new stones and slabs and, and walls and there was one other thing that was changing in 114 that someone reminded me of and i forgot it already but like there's these little quality of life things that are coming with the update that are being overshadowed by villager trading and yeah. iron farm mayhem and villager breeder stuff and all these different things and you're just kind of like well i'm doing a little bit to prepare but really most of this is a pretty, it's a pretty casual update for the average builder, right? Yeah. The yeah. technical players are kind of screaming from the hilltops, but from a, from a builder perspective, there's re there's really not a whole lot being taken away. It's mostly just your additive, right? It's all stuff that's going to make you know crafting, dyeing, building, and doing stuff a little bit easier for everybody. So, what have you been doing uh, in Minecraft? I Are you, have you been been preparing for one fourteen. I kind of have, yeah. Um, today's episode of Survival Guide was all about trimming unused and redundant regions of the world, ready to generate new structures, new bamboo forests, and pillager outposts, and the new villages. Because I wanted those to be in easy reach, and I'm fairly certain I've already heavily generated three of the jungles in my world. So I'd have to go really far afield to actually find a bamboo forest. So right. I decided that was going to be necessary. And it's also quite an interesting skill to know if you're somebody who maintains a survival world either personally or on a server. Uh, of course, no sooner had I released this episode than people filled my Twitter mentions with a dozen better ways to do it. Because the way I was doing it was basically working out which regions of the world corresponded to the region files in the save folder and then just deleting them wholesale, which is a 32 by 32 chunk area. So we're talking like 512 blocks square it's a big area to be deleting just casually but because right. mc edit hasn't updated to 1.13 i thought that was going to be the best way to do that uh so people were very very helpful um and a little bit condescending at times but i'll forgive them that because they have some very good ideas um tiskin from our uh, spawn chunks discord community had linked this uh back in i don't know the dim and distant past sometime in september i think uh, there's a tool called MCA Selector, which is on GitHub. Uh, it's a Java executable. You can just download it like a jar file as though you're installing Optifine or something like that. And you use it to open the regions folder or either of the dimension folders in your Minecraft save folder that represent the end or the nether. And you can edit chunks from a top-down perspective very, very easily. It can, it can go as large as regions. It can go as small as like individual chunks, sections of chunks. I haven't quite finished playing with it to see if you can edit like block for block and it doesn't have all the features of mc edit in terms of like the copying and cloning and changing biomes and that kind of stuff but it does allow you to delete redundant sections of the world 
So naturally, I learned this immediately after posting today's video and thought, well, shoot, I don't really, I, I can't really like take this video down and then completely re-record it and put it up the same day. I don't want to like immediately issue a retraction <laughs> or whatever and say mm -hmm. like, hey guys, there's a, a much easier way of doing this. But I figure what I'm going to do is create a tutorial about that that's going to be like a follow-up, but it's going to come up over the weekend. And that way, if anybody mm -hmm. wants a slightly more precise way of editing their world, they can maybe wait for that wait a couple of days into the update to make sure that nothing crazy has gone wrong and that there aren't bug reports coming up left and right and then edit their world down a little bit from 1.13. I also presume seeing as this tool is current, it might be updated to 1.14 pretty quickly. And then if you want to trim bits of your world when 1.14 is out, you can probably do that. Um, right. When you, as opposed to like trim the world when you're running 1.14 as opposed yes. as opposed to before. Yeah. Exactly. So just to, to, just so I can wrap my head around this, it looks like, cause I opened up the link. It, it looks like a, it looks like a, a top down grid, a map where yep. you can then, you know, highlight different chunks or regions, as you mentioned. So when you're, when you're deleting these, essentially what you're doing is you're telling your Minecraft save to forget these but then reload them with the seed information the next time you play or Correct. the next time you enter that region. Yes. That's, so it's, it's, essentially, it's essentially the same. It's, a, it's the corrective way of addressing the problem the way that we've been doing it on the Citadel, which is to not enter any new chunks until a new... Like, we've, we just naturally... We don't really have a rule, but because there's so few of us, just through casual conversation, we've discovered that all of us have just been sticking closer to home as mm -hmm. the 114 release is getting closer because we thought, well, it would be nice to not have to travel miles and miles and miles to find a pillager outpost. Uh, really, all we have to do is go into undiscovered chunks until we find one. And so we're doing that proactively, I guess. And this would be this would be just the the counter to that. This would be going back and saying like, all right, well, crap, I've already I've already loaded this island that's right off the coast. Uh, I would like to then unload it because I've done nothing to it other than fly over it. Yeah, exactly. And I would like to. I would. I would like to see what one fourteen gives me if I then unload those, you know, fifty chunks on this large island. Yeah, and then reload them. My my I main, would be... my main gripe is jungle generation because I loaded one right. jungle at first when I went out looking for one specifically so I could cover jungle stuff for the survival guide. But then I loaded a second one as I was flying over it to get to a woodland mansion that was the closest one, and I thought, well, right. that's a jungle I didn't need to have generated in the first place but then right. that's something that's not going to spawn me any bamboo or pandas or anything until 1.14 drops and i can maybe edit that out of my world so that's right. the main reason i wanted to do stuff like that in the first place yeah i've got i've got those weird lazy chunks that happened when we moved from the moyang realm over to the the cubeto server and so something as precise as this would be a, a nice tool to just be able to say like I could be in game. I could get the exact coordinates. I mean, obviously, you would want to do a backup before you did this, yeah. and then you know, have the, that kind of capability of swapping those files. But it would be nice if I could delete some of those chunks because some of them I've already kind of manicured and changed by hand. But I, I could get rid of a huge amount of work, you know, because I've got another build that I want to do near these chunks, and they're an eyesore. And so to be able to go in there and be just like, nope, let's just just delete this whole this whole area and it's it's not a small area it's not like you know a two by six chunk we're talking like i don't know i, I want to say it's a, it's a solid 
I did I did the math one time about the square kilometers, and it was a lot more than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to I want to say it's like it's a good it's a good sixteen by sixteen chunk area. So it's as big as the spawn chunk sort of area. Yeah, it's not the same shape, but it's a, it's about that size, and it could really be it could really be be removed. It's the kind of thing where like when you're flying over it, it kind of takes you out of the game. Like it mm-hmm. t- takes you out of the the immersion because it's like, wow, that's a weird skyscraper mountain. Yeah. <laughs> with with yeah. a flat side that's 60 blocks tall. I had some chunk you know, errors like, like that, that on my original patron server world when I moved the world spawn point because I wanted right. there to be like a welcome area where people could like walk down off the plank of a ship as though they'd just arrived in the swamp. And then the mm. thing they see in front of them was this giant city. And then once I did that, I started getting chunk errors that would pop up and would basically like, yeah, generate an entire section of a mountain biome in the middle of something that I built. And I was like, this this will not stand. And I ended up using MC Edit at the time to go in and, you know, clone those chunks and, and basically take them from a backup of the world that I had and drop them in over the top of the stuff that was popping up as errors. And thankfully, right. that, that problem sort of resolved itself. But yeah, that was it's not not something that's particularly fun to deal with, especially if you've built stuff there already. So would MCA Selector be easier to use than MC Edit? Uh, it might be, but only for the purposes of it being a more like it, it's a very selective tool. It doesn't have a bunch of the other functions MC Edit does. So it, there's less stuff to learn. It is basically just, do you want to delete these chunks? Yes. Right. Um, there, apparently, there are also some filters that you can apply, which um, actually automatically delete chunks for you based on whether or not those chunks have been loaded for a particular amount of time. So if you imagine that you only really spend about a minute flying over uh, a, a region of your world, then that's only been loaded for that long. Whereas if you've been spending time building, say, a farm somewhere completely obscure away from your main set of builds, you don't necessarily get to see it from the surface, but you know there's something underground that's really important that you don't want to delete. Um, right. It will it will know that you've been there for more than, say, an hour, and you can program it so that anything you've only you've, you've been in for less than an hour, it can delete all of those chunks for you. So there's some quite powerful like filters that you can apply to it, but it really only does one thing, which is help you clean up redundant sections of your world. Right. And you would get you would still get the same chunk back. It would just that it would be Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it uses additive it, content. It uses the same the, terrain generation algorithm still, yeah. Right. Cuz cuz I'm thinking about the giant like 1000 block wide um, coral reef that we have quite close relatively speaking to to our main development and if even though we've not been there much and there's nothing built there really it would be very easy to just to kind of include that in in the, the chunks that we wanted to reset but my concern would be that we wouldn't get a coral reef back that yeah, we would get I, something else i think those biomes do have an element of randomness to them in the sense that I think tree generation isn't necessarily determined exactly by the world seed. I could be wrong about this, but right. I think, I think on, on some occasions I have seen when a, a region has been reset or a chunk has been deleted, the trees generated a different way the next time than they would like the first time. So the, mm. the trees don't like line up particularly well and there is like a border to them. But then again, I don't know if that would happen with a coral reef because isn't, isn't a coral reef like a specific biome or is it does it just count as warm ocean? I forget. It just just counts it as warm ocean as far as I as I know. Mm. Uh, and then coral has a chance to spawn in warm o- ocean. 
so again, like it's one of those things where like those are the kind of situations where I would just like I would just be safer just outlining that coral reef and saying let's just leave that exactly how it is and mm-hmm. we'll delete we'll you know we'll reset the stuff that's outside of that. Uh, as with any kind of tool like this that has a quote unquote automatic function, I would just like mm, I would rather just know that while there's a whole lot of nothing between Dartmouth Meadows and the Mesa, the Mesa is where my skeleton farm is. It's where you know I've done a lot of work to set some things up. I would rather not delete any of that. So we're we're just gonna find that on the map, draw a great big circle around it, and say like leave that. <laughs> That's yeah. fine. We don't we don't need to we don't need to reset those, even though they're they're far enough away. I would even be okay with leaving all the chunks in between that because I mean originally I would have had to walk there because I don't think we had a lighter at that point. Uh, I would have had to walk to get there to set up another portal in the beginning. Uh, so all the chunks in between have been loaded like once, yeah, uh, and probably in in one dot twelve, not one thirteen. Yeah. Uh, so so all the things in a straight line, which is maybe you know a couple dozen chunks on either side of you, but it's just like I would be fine. It's like whatever that it's it's I don't I wouldn't be so worried about that. I would just be looking at the major regions. You know the stuff that's farther away the good thing about our server of course is that we're not super active so it's not that things have been loaded and built for miles and miles and miles it's really everybody's pretty close together yeah where we could just we could almost just draw not a circle but we could probably draw like a box or an oval around pretty much everything that everybody's done that's of any importance uh in the main meadows and then there'd be a couple of offshoots like the desert and uh, I'm trying to think about where else, like, you know, north with the Mesa and the ice bikes. And a lot of, the, but a lot of those far reaching places aren't important builds. They're just like biome mines. It's like, this is where we get ice. This is where we get bones. This yeah, is where we get, get terracotta. Sand or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if it got reset, it wouldn't be the, I mean, I wouldn't want to lose that skeleton farm, but like it would not be the end of the world compared to like, you know, Dartmouth Meadows having, you know, chunks reloaded in the middle of it, which would destroy all kinds of stuff. And that would be, that would be bad. I've had to, um, I've had to be a, a little conscious of uh, some stuff that people have been bugging me about in the comments because I tamed a couple of cats in an episode that was all about how to breed all the animals in which I got the advancement you get for breeding all the animals. And I left the cats in the jungle because for those who don't know, cats will teleport to you if they're like, if they're standing, if you haven't like told them to sit, but they only teleport to you if you're standing on a solid block. And the way I get around on my world now is Elytra. And so a lot of the time I would leave the range in which the cats would be able to teleport to me because the chunks containing them would unload. So what I did was I left my cats in this jungle. And the first thing I got, like a comment on my video this morning when I was like, I'm going to delete some chunks of my world. They were like, you better not delete the chunk with the cats because <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've tamed them and you promised that you were going to bring them back when you do a creeper farm. And I, I, I actually basically the first thing i did when i went to uh, to delete stuff in my world this morning before the video even went out and i got that comment i was like people are going to bring up the cats so i'm going to make sure i know where they are and de- don't delete that region of course now don't it'd be much easier region. with with mca selector to just draw a circle around them and be like there but i basically saved a 512 by 512 block area of my world just to make sure those three cats were safe right right the, the safe the safe cat radius mm-hmm. so uh, mc mc edit what are the, I mean, I'm just familiarizing myself. What are the other functions that it has? Like its main function is meant to be like a world painter or a world 
Yeah, you can right. you can you can generate bits and pieces of landscape with it. You can edit your world a little bit more heavily. Uh, one of the coolest things it can do is change biomes of certain areas just based on a selection. So, for example, when I was doing my one chunk builds and I wanted to build a desert house, I went into MC Edit, I selected a chunk, and I changed the biome to desert in one of those big plains flat worlds. Mainly so I could make sure that the uh, the color of the foliage was accurate because right. I knew that if I was building that in a plains, yes, I could cover it in sand, but then the the trees were going to be like brighter if i was using certain types of leaves then they were going to be different colors based on whether they were in a desert or a plains biome and i wanted that to be accurate so you know call it overkill if you will but it's a good way to um you know generate custom biomes if you're a map maker for example um if Uh, if you're interested in learning more about mc edit by the way especially for the folks at home there was a panel at last minecon where they were doing the separate videos that were a series of panels uh, there is a basically a showcase about map making, which focuses quite heavily on MC Edit, hosted by Adrian Brightmore. Uh, it's on the Minecraft YouTube channel. It's very much worth your time if you're interested in map making at all. Obviously, mm. with MC Edit not being available for 1.13 versions, it might be a little bit old. But if you're interested in map making, it's a good foundation to know about some of this stuff. I think that's probably why my interest fell off because I have it downloaded and I had I remember that panel being flagged as like oh, I should look into that and then when I realized that it was all one dot twelve stuff I was like well I don't I'm playing on one thirteen yeah. like I can't can't use it to my advantage I'm not I don't have any plans to start a single player world and is this is this the software that I've seen people where they will say okay well I've created this area and I've created all this stone and and dirt and stuff like that and now I'm going to create beaches and I'm just going to tell this program to only paint sand at like Y level 65 or below. And then they can just kind of like go over with a great big broad brush. And because of the topographical restriction that they've set in, then they're not going to have sand on the side of a mountain. The sand is only going to appear when the blocks of the topography are like below Y level 65. I think you can do that with a couple of other programs. I feel like if you're, if you're Uh, editing it from within game, that's probably world painter or voxel sniper. Um, world but, painter is probably the one i'm thinking yeah of. yeah but M- mc edit can do stuff like that but it's doing it all from a top-down view grid view much like mca selector has it's more of a a kind of third-party program than a plug-in that you can use in game it's a very different kind of uh, setup this was top down this was top down okay. i'm not sure exactly sure yeah it seemed like it was meant to be like a starting point you weren't necessarily sculpting mountains but you were just you were basically being able to say like yeah i want it, it, yeah, I want this to be a certain way. It could also just been a, a viewpoint that was advantageous in World Painter. Like maybe World Painter just says, oh, by the way, lock camera straight down. And then it might look very similar. But either way, like I, I know I didn't look into these too much because uh, they weren't available for, for 1.13. Um, but speaking of uh, speaking of updates and all the things coming, we actually have some news uh, coming up this week. And it starts tomorrow. Yes. Excited for this. Uh, the... The actual release date of 1.14, as far as we know, and there haven't been any changes yet, uh, but Tuesday, April 23rd, tomorrow at the time of this recording, is going to be the full release of Minecraft 1.14. We had pre-releases 4 and 5 last week uh, on Wednesday and Thursday, respectively, but those were very minor, um, like, bug fixes and stuff like that. Like, I don't know if you took too long to go through the changelog but none of it seemed to really stick out for me it's like oh thank goodness they fixed that it was all all very very small stuff at that point all very small stuff all small stuff that i've not experienced so mm-hmm. it was one of those things where it's like well i i stopped playing in the pre-releases a long time ago every once in a while i might pop in for a screenshot for the this for the um the spawn trunks uh, uh title card art but 
you know, because if there was a blocker, you know, like the wandering trader or something that we needed a screenshot of to talk about on the show, then I would get it. But really, I wasn't, I'm not playing, I'm not even messing around with anything. Uh, they haven't really been advertising any new texture updates. If they have, I haven't really seen, um, I haven't really seen anything that really has grabbed me as, as being standout. Um, but uh, one thing I have noticed and I've been paying attention to is the uh, pre-release videos from people like Yo Mango, Zuma Void, Cub Van. Uh, they tend to do these like summary videos. And I'm noticing that there's still quite a lot of stuff that's not finished. Mm-hmm. And so I'm surprised. Like I feel, did you feel just because we've been covering this week to week for the last little while, do you feel like the last kind of like snapshots through pre-release five to release date have been very quick? Uh, it kind of seems like they have, but I think that's that's just the way they function right now. Is is we we've set a date in our in our heads. We want to get this stuff out, and I think in terms of features, it's complete. It's it, the question at this point is complete for who, because or for whom if mm. you're if you're the, the the grammatical type. Because I think a lot of the issues people are having with the completeness of stuff comes down to bug fixes which are relatively minor and behaviors which they're still not entirely sure how they want to go with them in terms of like iron golem spawning and stuff like that potentially but as far Mm. as features go for the broader player base looking at the big picture i think everybody else would consider this a big like they, they would consider this a complete update and if they said oh we're delaying the update so we can figure out how iron golem farms are going to work for people i have a feeling that maybe like 50 to 60 percent of the player base would just go we don't care we want the update now like we're, we're ready yeah. to we're ready to experience yeah. content uh so yeah. so i kind of think they don't really have that excuse when it comes to delaying the update any further i think so much of this stuff can be worked out in the incremental 0.1.2 updates that might appease the technical players and will fix anything that's you know immediately a problem with 1.14 proper and I think that's the place to do it. I feel like delaying it any further, we end up with an update aquatic situation where you say it's going to come yeah. out in April and then it comes out in August. Yeah, no, I, and I can I can understand the you know the 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 it's perfect is the enemy of done. You know, like I I, I know I, I understand that. I'm just wondering because some of the things that uh, specifically Comfed brought up in one of his videos was like you know villagers being able to be hit by their own fireworks in celebration uh, <laughs> after 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 the victory of a raid, uh, villagers will celebrate and send off fireworks, and they always check to make sure that there's not a block above them, unless it's glass. Yeah. At which point, and thinking about some people that are a little bit more advanced and that they're not just defending a raid but they've actually created a villager enclosure or they've built something cool and if the villager just are just like well we're going to shoot fireworks despite the fact that the glass is just an inch above our heads um he's they he he did it in a video where the villager shot up a couple of fireworks and like they died almost instantly yeah (laughs) it's like that would suck like that would not be a good player experience the fact that that's still possible you know in in pre-release four i think at the time was when cub made the video and that hasn't been one of the things that they've listed as a bug fix in in uh, in pre-release five. It's just like, why are you really sure to, that this is ready to go? Now, I say all that, and then there are also a number of things that I think we are going to see in the release of 114 that they have not told us about. There's going to be some surprises. There's going to be some features. There's going to be some some, some things that are just something that they've got working the way that they want. They did not need to test it. They wanted to have some sort of surprise. You know, it's 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 like 
it's like knowing what's inside your Christmas presents before you open them, right? Like, I mean, you kind of want to have the player base have some sort of excitement in some sort of discovery. It'd be cool. You know, when when when, it, when a new release comes out. Yeah. Well, I feel like that happened in one thirteen, right? Like, I, I, I feel like there were some things that weren't listed that were just either different or, or you know, were just a surprise. I can't think of any off the top of my head, which is weird. It's one of those things where, like, it's it's the, the kind of thing that you've been playing with it for ages, you know, and it just seems to be... Like, for example, uh, being able to elytra into small spaces and, and do that. Was that something that you could do before 113, or is that part of, like, the swimming? I think so, yeah. I think they, they ended up changing the elytra flight hitbox thanks to some player feedback after a while when when everybody oh. started flying with fireworks and you had people right. designing elytra okay. flight courses at that point they kind of went well if if the player is basically horizontal then it makes sense that their hitbox should only be one block high and right. yeah so so maybe there's there's some stuff that has just kind of carried over and feels more relevant in a new update that maybe in was a, a feature update. earlier okay. but yeah just for whatever reason was overlooked at the time but you never right. know they might they might have some stuff kind of poking around and it's always the case that emergent gameplay is going to start to happen after the update comes out and people just you know experiment with some stuff find some weird behavior figure out how they can reproduce that behavior and while that might lead to a bug fix it might also lead to something that is very useful for players and then that's something that can either be you know exploited if you want to use that right. word or or just yeah know, it, it becomes like a, a new fact of life same way that i imagine people experimenting with iron farms the mechanic isn't there so that people could farm iron it's just a happy accident and you know an, in, right. an intended kind of you know a player driven experiment to figure out how we could get renewable iron out of that yeah 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 so i mean so the things that i feel are are you know feature complete and i'm absolutely ready for for are things like you know dying carpet and the new flowers and you know not having to rely on some of your resources like some of the dyes that you currently make like purple and green or not green but purple and blue and stuff like that previously were finite like you you you'd have to just find more lapis before you could make more dye. Well, yeah. now there's a blue flower, which means that, you know, with bone meal and some other sort of mid to late game mechanics, you can not have infinite, but have enough that you're going to be able to quickly be able to create the dyes that you want without running low. Yeah, if you want right? a blue bed on night one, then it doesn't mean mining for lapis anymore. It just means you need to find a cornflower. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So th that so that kind of stuff, the new slabs and stairs and stuff, I feel like all that kind of stuff is ready to go. And this is the kind of thing where I feel like smaller increments would be beneficial. Like I, I would rather see that kind of stuff that has been done for months just be available to us a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and then have the villager mechanics and the, the, the villager breeding and like the iron farm stuff and the trading and uh, the raids and the, the new the new mobs and stuff like that, like the the ilger beast and all those different things i can absolutely see those tie being tied to a specific update a specific release date and like no these these things have to be 110 percent ready before we actually release them um speaking of there's some other stuff that i've seen that have been inconsistent with some of the um illager farms and stuff like that that people are trying the more tactical players are trying to to exploit and again not not the focus of the release like not how like you said more than 50 percent of the player base are are going to be playing playing the game but it's still it's one of those things where like this is out there and it took these players like a day to find it not even uh and so you're kind of it's kind of surprising 
that Mojang hasn't caught that already? Because you would think that the people that are developing the game would be at a level at some of these technical players, right? Like that they would be seeing the game kind of like inside the matrix, right? Like all the code. And, <laughs> they're looking at you the code, mean? yeah. Yeah, they're the neos of minecraft we're just like yeah that's a great idea but like well but that would affect the way that all this works and stuff like that sometimes in a good way but also sometimes they might be able to spot things in a bad way but i know the thing that i think really grabs me about the about the release and and this was something that i pointed out last week is that i still feel like there's a bunch of stuff that's not ready or not finished in 113 yeah so it feels weird to move on to 114 and, yeah. that, and that to me is is one of those things but we can get we can get into that a little, little bit later the other news this week is that the Minecraft movie has a release date. It's going to be released on March 4th, 2022. The bullet point Joel has put in the show notes is, do we care about this? <laughs> and I think it's it's a little early to be getting excited about the Minecraft movie. Uh, there was a little bit of extra information involved with this. So um, after a while, we've, we've reported in the past that it's kind of changed hands in terms of writing and directing and that kind of stuff. So maybe everything is just locked in for good now. Uh, one would hope, if you're at all interested in the Minecraft movie, that they've come to some sort of decision about this. But uh, a little bit more information, it's going to be something live action. Um, and, and it's going to focus on like somebody in the real world. And then I think the Ender Dragon, it said, gets loose in their world and they have to go on an epic quest to restore the damage or something like that. Um, and I saw a few people on Twitter just kind of confused about why live action was the approach they were taking since Minecraft is a video game and it lends itself quite well to an animated style as per the Wandering Trader short that they posted on Wednesday. On the Minecraft YouTube channel, uh, they posted a, a Village and Pillage, a Wanderous Journey uh, animated short, which I thought was really cute. It kind of, it, yeah. it reminded me of like a, a Pixar short before one of the big Pixar releases. Maybe not quite with yes. the, the unique charm that each one of them has because they're all very different, but I felt like yeah. it felt like it was it was telling a story without using words because of course villagers don't really talk, they just Hur. and there was some great ways of featuring some of the new stuff that's coming to the update. Like he, the, the Wandering Trader himself and his llama and everything, like it has a lot of character to it and then he goes and finds a pillager outpost and kind of goes do you want to trade and then all the pillagers turned him level crossbows and he's like okay i'll go somewhere else you know and mm. so that was that was really cool and so people are thinking why not you know look look into that kind of style and do something like that with a minecraft movie but then my counter arguments to that for a start detective pikachu looks quite good so i feel like a live action cg blend could work depending on how they spin it um but the other thing is there are so many community-made animations out there. I feel like maybe they want to do something that's different to that and something that couldn't immediately be compared to what element animations do. And, you know, there's there's YouTubers out there, like I think Captain Sparkles has own animated things and the uh, Minecraft Story Mode game, for example. They want to take a stylistic move away from that to make this something more unique. And also to make it not look like, oh, hey, this should be a video game. Why can't I just play this instead of, why can't yeah. this be Minecraft Story Mode Season 3? So yeah. I, I have my arguments uh, in place as for why they're taking a live action approach to it. But yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be a while to wait at this stage. Yeah, I mean, as little as we know, on the surface, all I can suggest is that I think that live action is a mistake. I yeah. think... I it's I mean I see your argument for the detective Pikachu the difference is that whether it's hand drawn CG or or a a live action with CG special effect characters 
Pikachu is organic. Yeah, like, exactly. It's a, and, it's a little animal and, thing with and there round are, corners and fur. And there are canonically yeah. humans in the Pokemon world as well, so it, yeah. it it makes sense. Whereas like Minecraft being the blocky aesthetic, kind of merging with the real world, I can I can understand how that can seem a little bit strange. But I'm well. This is the thing. Like, I mean, how how are you going to fight? I mean, if you put the Ender Dragon as we see it in Minecraft, I mean, obviously they'll take some creative liberty. But even then, if you make anything boxy, this is just going to make everybody think of that Adam Sandler movie, Pixels. With the Pixels, yeah, like, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. like it just uh, you can't you can't really do this in one meter by one meter blocks, you know. And I I know I'm being I'm being very you know nitpicky about this, but I even if you get into like the the crazy uh the crazy you know pixel stuff of 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 building things i i don't see it translating very well uh, what i could see is having a live action component similar to tron where a bunch of kids you know it's a kids adventure movie everybody's getting ready to go do whatever and then they all get sucked inside the video game sure and then so now now they're all these weird blocky versions of themselves kind of like jumanji that latest one with them the rock i'm pretty sure the lego movie does that as well there's like a live action component to that that's completely separate from the the whole lego oh yeah you're story. right you're yeah. right they, i think they did i think they did do that uh, but it's one of those things where it's it's like it, it it still allows you to then be in this really weird world you have this this attachment to reality and like this is bobby and bobby has been sucked inside the the video game and and this is you know what was it steve and what's the other character's name alex uh, Alex. So Steve and Alex, they could have actually like Steve and Alex characters. Maybe it's a brother sister or something like that, 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 that gets sucked inside their family, you know, console and they're in the video game. But then I like, that's the kind of thing we're like, yeah, okay, I'd watch that. I'd, I'd watch these, these kids learning how to manipulate and work in this world and be like, oh, wow, I can punch a tree and just like, you know, it'd be a fun kind of in joke where he just, he literally punches a tree, the tree explodes, you know, like stuff like that could be very fun, but not something I feel like you can pull off in a way that isn't going to make everyone roll their eyes and in so live action. And something that actually requires a decent like body horror component when they realize they don't have fingers anymore, which is, yeah. is something that happens in Max Brooks's Minecraft The Island novel, which I've read the first chapter of on Amazon because of the preview thing. I still I still want to start the Spawn Chunks book club and we can just we can just read Minecraft <laughs> The Island at some point because I like Max Brooks's writing. I think he's quite good. And I think I don't think he was attached to write this one, but I feel like he had a hand in it somewhere, maybe sort of mm. feeding ideas in um to make it like a slightly more not not like adult focused but something that would appeal to adults as well as just kids but anyway i i think i think there is still you know there's still a lot to prove with the minecraft movie i think there's it's still going to be something that they really need to stick the landing on for it to be worth anything and we'll see how detective pikachu pans out as far as people's opinion of video game movies because the across the board opinion of them generally is that there hasn't been a successful one yet and mm. i i kind of feel like maybe the minecraft movie isn't going to turn the tide of that single-handedly no. but uh no I, and, we'll and i feel like too like there's a, there's an argument for like the lack of story in a sandbox game and all that kind of stuff and i mean i can bring up two things one we do still have Minecraft Dungeons that's just hopefully going to come out between now and 2022. I, I'd hope so, yeah. So so there may be a story in that that might work out much better as as a as a film. Like there might be some story nods that they can pull from that to, to tie into a, a film. Um, but also, you could argue that Angry Birds is probably the dumbest, weakest story in a <laughs> you know, mobile game ever. And yet, I'm not saying that the movie was my favorite, but it wasn't terrible. It was palatable, like it was at least. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it, it wasn't abysmal. 
you know, like I can't think of another like I'm. Well, it wasn't the Mario Brothers live action film from the '80s, right? Like sure. there's there there are some things that they were just they were respectful of the original material. They 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 you know they had the the jokes. They had that was a very well animated. Like it was well done. Uh, so it's one of those things where you just you kind of have to wait to hear more, I guess. Um, but I feel like it's it's also been in production for so long, the Minecraft movie, or, or in pre-production for so long that you kind of just like, wow, like at some point, folks, you might just have to take take the, you know, swallow the hard pill and be like, maybe this just isn't something we should do. Yeah, uh, it's, and if it's I, not getting off the I, ground as such, then yeah. Yeah, like if if, if what I was, I'm what gets me, what strikes me in situations like this, again from the outside, is that. The people that you're trying to get to create this thing are not excited about it. Otherwise, it would have already been made, mm-hmm. right? Like if someone was just like, this is such a good idea. I am so excited to do this and everything is coming together, then it would have been made a long time ago. You know, it's it's just, it's not, you know, I well, and I say that and then it took years for a World of Warcraft movie to finally come out. Yeah. So, I, you know, and, and that is something that lends itself very well to being a live action CG, you know, translation of of that that universe, right? So, um, again, it's, and then when people could argue not what people were expecting either, like, you know, not a bad movie, but not like yeah, Lord it's, of the Rings. It's not, it's know, not like, how I imagined the realm of Azeroth to be. No, it it didn't it didn't land with the explosive and positive uh, reception that they anticipated. But that that could also be a, a hill that Minecraft is trying to climb. In that you've got this huge player base, and everybody has an opinion, and you're just not going to be able to please everybody. And if you if enough of those people are loud enough, then it doesn't matter whether the film was good or not. It's just not going to be financially successful and therefore more will just not get made. Yeah. Then again, so, if stuff like yeah. the emoji movie can get made with and, and, and well, probably and probably do somewhat decent box office, there may be hope for the Minecraft movie yet. At least <laughs> yeah, at least it'll be know. better than the emoji movie. We hope. We fervently we, yeah. fervently hope. Well, uh, One that I have not seen. Yes, me neither. Speaking of uh, the realm of Azeroth, we have a question about realms here uh, from the, the chunk mail. Or rather, not, not so much a question as a, uh, a bit of extra information uh, to, to feed into our discussion about playing on a bedrock realm from uh, the last chunk mail segment. Uh, so I'm going to read this one. It's from The Lone Coyote, who says, Dear Joel and Johnny, I play Minecraft Bedrock Edition on a realm with my friends. I was hoping I could help clear up a few things from the last podcast. When a new update gets added to Minecraft Bedrock, it doesn't immediately update the realm, it updates as soon as the owner of the realm updates the version on their device and then enters the server. In Bedrock Edition, unlike in Java Edition, you can't choose what version of Minecraft you play on, meaning as soon as you update your device, you are stuck on that version, which at the time of writing is 1.10. Also, when you create a realm, it's hooked up to an Xbox club where you can have a private chat and activity feed with the members of your realm. Hope that helps. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you for the clarification, Lone Coyote. It's very kind of you to write in and and kind of set us straight on this score. I had completely forgotten that Bedrock Edition players couldn't choose what version they wanted to play because that's just something I take for granted as a Java player. Like I can switch mm-hmm. my launcher back and forth between 1.13 to you know the the Optifine install I have to the snapshots back to like you know beta and alpha versions if I have historical versions enabled. Bedrock as a platform is constantly moving forward, and as long as you accept the Xbox One update or whatever, then you're basically stuck with whatever the new version of the game is. 
And I wonder how Bedrock mm-hmm. players feel about that. It'd be interesting to hear from the folks in our Discord and in our broader community how you feel about just basically having to accept the updates as they come. Because we've talked in the past, in previous weeks, about PvP players not moving on from Minecraft 1.8 because they didn't like the changes, Psycraft not moving on from 1.12 because they're not happy with performance and some of the changes. It's it's interesting to hear that Bedrock is just a constantly evolving platform and is forced to be that that you can't dial it back at all yeah and i you know anecdotally over the last little while covering minecraft i feel like i've just noticed the what's the word i'm looking for when something goes wrong and an update is not what people expect you can see the very vocal bedrock community be just like why why did this change and why are (laughs) we stuck with this and i've always been just like wow you guys are kind of whining really loud for a game that you paid for once and is just you know constantly developing this sheds a little bit more light on why people are just kind of like (laughs) i updated my world and now everything or now the things that you've changed are in here and i can't go back you kind of have Uh, to accept what you've got yeah yeah, there would be, I can, I can see, I would, well, I shouldn't say I can see, I would be curious to know uh, the amount of uh, rage quits that just happen in, in those kind of situations where the, something updates or the people do not want the update and yet they have no choice because they've, they've accepted, you know, the device update um, or the, or the, the update in, in the, um, in the game and they can't roll it back, which means that stuff has been broken. If you've invested a lot of time in that world of Minecraft, I would just be done. I'm just like, nope, sorry, you know, Moyang, you, this is not the way to roll things out. I think you know, there, it's, there it's, was, there was actually an issue recently in which a beta version uh, ended up rolling out to Xbox players, not by mistake, but I think it came out early and some people couldn't load their worlds up in it and then they couldn't roll back right. to the previous version, which meant like they had to wait until the next beta came out and fix the problem before they could even load their worlds up in the first place. And being locked out of Minecraft for a couple of weeks sounds maddening to me as obviously somebody yeah. who spends a lot of time in the game, but I can't yeah. imagine just being like, well, I have to start a whole new world based on like the fact that I can't access this old one now. <laughs> just seems yeah. yeah endlessly frustrating to me. Oh, I mean, if something happened where the Citadel disappeared, I mean, like, it's a different situation when you're a content creator because you've got a community that's supportive and, you know, would mostly like, ah, that really sucks, but we'll be here, you know, when you want to start punching wood again and we'll all do it together. Uh, But it would be a very different situation if it was just like, you know, this is my hobby on my weekends, like this is my model train, this is my Lego city, you know, and if, if something happened where it all got wiped like even if it was something just as simple as you know nothing that mo yang did but just like my own computer you know if something got corrupt and the file died and like well i mean i had this happen recently where i lost a lot of video files and it was i kept on trucking because i'm a content creator but like there was a lot of work a lot of hours that went into all that kind of stuff that i lost and there's just nothing you can do like you just kind of have to say like well that sucks you just have to accept it and move on but in something like a, a minecraft world if I was to lose the whole thing, uh, if if the Citadel was a single player and it was all me and I wasn't online, I wasn't sharing it with anybody, like I can't say that I would just be quite happy to just pick up my socks and just jump back into Minecraft again, especially if, if that problem was at the hands of like a faulty update or, 
you know, uh, you know, uh, something that Mo Yang had done incorrectly in an update that caused the world to corrupt. Yeah, something, something would, that you I, have no control over. At that yeah, point. then, then, then I would have been just like, I don't want to play your game anymore. That's, that's, when, that's when the hockey sticks come out. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I think I think that's what I would be just like. Oh, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to go find something else better to do with with my time. And and I think. Uh, when you have that kind of situation with bedrock, you know, differing from from Java, I can. I'm not saying the pitchforks are necessarily justified, but I can understand the higher emotional reaction that I see quite often yes. uh, online. If, if nothing else, bedrock players, you have our sympathy. <laughs> that's the yeah. The, no, the, that's... the official line of the spawn chunks is one of sympathy. Do do we know? I mean, is that console only, or is like if you're playing Bedrock on on a on a PC, can you not can you I, still I would, not choose what version? I would presume not. I, I think when I've logged in to play, say, Cobble Clicker with Zloy when we were doing that map, I think it did just straight away update to the latest version when I launched the game. I, I think I might have had to click something to accept the update, but even then, without accepting the update, I wouldn't have been able to play the map on his. But mm. our two versions wouldn't have been compatible. So right. yeah, like it, like like Lone Coyote says, if you have uh, so, uh, somebody who is hosting a version on, is hosting like a realm, when they update the version on their device, then that updates the realm. So you know, imagine somebody mm. doesn't want to continue with the update, or or maybe somebody else has updated, but then they couldn't log on to that realm because they're still like they're using an, an earlier version than the realm creator has. Or a more recent mm. version the Realm Creator has. So yeah, it, it, you get a similar problem with Java when you can't log into a server anymore when you've updated your client because you. Yeah. you but but then you can always roll back a version and still play on that server. So frustrating. Yeah. But uh, I wonder if that's something that they consider like revising in future if if they want to aim for feature parity with the java version if that includes any kind of scope for being able to play legacy versions if they even have that stuff archived. Um, it'd be interesting to find out because uh, well, we'd be interesting to find out, and let's hope that they don't push Java in the opposite direction, like towards Bedrock. <laughs> I don't. I don't wow, think they. Wow. I don't think they will. That would that would come across no. as a, a very like taking a feature away kind of thing for sure. And whole servers yeah. and projects and stuff have been predicated on the fact, like Grian's Evo server, for example, and a few people have yeah. done a a series where they've gone back through the history of Minecraft from alpha versions and earlier all the way up to the present day in the same world. So I feel like that's so much ingrained as part of Java. And it's so easy to distribute the Java version as well because you just download it. It's not like something that has to go through Microsoft's approval process and everything. It can just mm. exist and old server jars can be... Th it's, it's like having software on CD. You can still play it because you own that. And yeah, yeah. I, I feel like making that available to Bedrock players would be a an improvement i'm sure especially if people roll forward and find that they would want to roll back but they can't who can say mm. but we appreciate the clarification yeah. once again lone coyote that's uh, very good information for us to have as non-bedrock players uh so moving on to our main topic for this week i wanted to do a bit of a retrospective on the update aquatic because we are moving ahead into 1.14 we're definitely going to be discussing some of the new stuff that comes up next week provided that everything runs on time and uh, the update comes out as planned but i wanted to look back at what were the highlights of 1.13 for us uh, there are any shortcomings we think moyang or the community could learn from anything that were was just like really stand out great anything that emerged from it that we didn't expect do we still love bubbles <laughs> because our first uh, episode of this show was basically us 
running down like our first impressions of the update aquatic so uh why don't you kick us off what what do you what do you like what are you not so keen on about the update aquatic and what do you what do you think could be moved forward from well, these two bullet points are something that I've mentioned on the show before, so I'll just kind of highlight them here. And that is elytra and water still don't play nicely, specifically when getting in and out of water. Sure. I find that elytra either activate or don't activate when you want them to or don't want them to. And it just, you end up, if it's, I mean, it's a momentary setback, but it's just, it's one of those things that the game is doing something that you cannot control. And it, it just feels odd. It feels amateurish mm -hmm. you know when you're trying to get out of the water and you just end up floating and then sinking right back down into the same block because you didn't end up on the block that you're trying to jump out on because you are now in flight mode and you're horizontal you can't see that as a from the first person perspective all you can feel is the slow like a light lowering you yeah um and i've spending so much time in the swamp where most of it is one block high of water trying to hop in and out and take off and oh my gosh it yeah, is, yeah it is a real it's a real struggle especially uh, on a server as well usually... if, you, if you're relying yes. on I, I i get yeah i get that uh I, that luxury of being on a single player world and basically having the fastest connection to the world that I possibly could. Right. So I, I really yeah. don't, I don't feel that problem with Elytra anymore like I used to on multiplayer servers. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm feeling the pain there for sure. Yeah. Uh, several blocks are also still not able to be waterlogged. Uh, fence gates, bushes, etc. I went into this a little bit last week. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have firsthand experience with this too now because I did these uh, these water elevators that I described last week. I have three droppers that are right next to each other and three water streams that are directly next, next to each other going vertical. And they are separated so that the items don't cross by having a stack, like really like 20 or 30 uh, uh, trap doors that are all placed uh in there uh and then um and then waterlogged so that the items will still travel up bubble columns don't push up all the way but you don't need it because the item will just maintain its momentum and travel up pretty quickly anyway uh but uh i had to then in survival place all of this stuff that i had only done in theory in creative world it was fine you know when I placed the trapdoor it removed the water block but then when I shift clicked or if I just put the bucket on another block like i didn't face the trapdoor i just clicked the block next to it in the in the column like the wall of the column um the bucket plays fine the item the 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 trapdoor got waterlogged there's no reason that they couldn't do this with bushes fence gates cakes you know um there's a bunch of other different blocks that have not been able to be waterlogged shulker boxes still have a really silly animation of the water flowing down the side of them they seem like very very easy fixes to the point where i'm kind of surprised with all these little bugs that i've never experienced in the game that really it's like you know fox's hitboxes were off by a pixel <laughs> that's your priority over stuff that still can't be waterlogged and stuff that looks terrible like you and i are builders how great would it be if you put bushes underwater and they actually looked like bushes underwater as opposed to you know um blue funny cubes that have water around them when everything else doesn't you know like there's there's some things that i that i still think are, are missing um, i can i can only assume that there's something going on there we don't know about like something about the way the block is rendered the transparency of it the fact that also you have like we're working with fancy leaves which is how come like it looks like a bush could be waterlogged in the first place whereas people who have like fast leaves on they wouldn't see the transparency in the texture so for them there's no need for it to be waterlogged doesn't mean it shouldn't be able to and doesn't mean it shouldn't have the flowing water animation around the outside but there are yeah there's there are some things that i think there must be an extra reason for that we just don't see because it does like you say it does seem like something that would be so 
straightforward to do given that they've done it with most of the other blocks in, right. the, in the repertoire at that point. You know, I mean, but something as simple as a fence gate, you know, trap doors, they function the exact same. They, they flap, you click on them, they move. Fence gates do the same thing. Fence posts are waterlogged, but fence gates are not. Like, there, there just doesn't seem to be enough of a rhyme or reason. Um, I, there are also a number of bugs that have been in the game for, I think you mentioned one a few weeks ago that was in the game for like years or something, or like a year and a half, and it got fixed. It's like, that's just, for whatever reason, it just never was a priority until somehow it became one. Um, but we'd have no explanation as to why. Uh, stuff that I, um, for for a little bit more of a, of a thoughtful conversation, things that I found were better in theory than in practice. Okay, in, this, is, this is a good category. I, I like this yeah. one. I, li- I like the notes so, you've got here. So this is, so things like magma blocks with water bubbles that pull you down. Yes. It's kind 100%, of a neat 100% feature. Neat feature when you're traveling around in day one and a boat kind of rocks, you know, and and it's a function that you can maybe use to suck mobs down to the bottom if you really wanted to, but most of the undead mobs sunk anyway. I've used it for uh, items occasionally because of items floating yeah. now, but Sure. Yeah. yeah, but it's... If you use it in the opposite way that you use a bubble uh, column from a soul sand block, which shoots you up, which is fantastic and mm-hmm. very useful yes. for items and players... Uh, when you get sucked down a magma block column, it is slower than just swimming down, for starters. You take damage when you get to the bottom, if you don't hold shift when you exit the, the water column, depending on how you've built it. Uh, so all these people that have built these like fancy block swappers, you don't need it. Just <laughs> yeah. build a drop. The fastest way to get down to the bottom of a large elevator is just a drop with a single water block at the bottom to break your fall. Like, nothing about a magma block at all is is practical uh to say the least uh, it looks cool but that's it yeah i 100 percent agree i f- i feel like magma blocks are treated by some players like they are basically like the counterpoint to the soul sand bubble column and they're not like functionally they just don't provide the same kind of like the same kind of force <laughs> they're, they're not no. as useful at all and i've i've built several like water elevators with like a a, a drop instead of having a water column with a magma block at the bottom because it's just so much faster. Full damage is still one of the fastest ways to travel. So it Mm -hmm. it makes way more sense for me. And I think functionally for maybe item transport and stuff like that, magma blocks could work, but I I don't, I don't see the need for it when, uh, you know, there are, there are other perfectly good ways you can, you can chuck an item down a hole. It's it's still, it still drops. Put put a sign at the top of the water stream and the item just falls off and falls down the hole. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, I, with with fall drops the only disadvantage of course is that you can't get off at any point so if you wanted to get off uh then you had to be able to exit you know at a different pace so a little bit harder to do when you're just falling down a tube uh but the um and that's really the same with going up if you're using a bubble column to go up a tube then it's much more difficult to then get off at multiple different levels yeah uh then it was you know for that you kind of had to have three different elevators one for each level of a three-story building you know, instead of um, trying to get off a bubble column at any one given point. Magma blocks could maybe be improved if they sucked you down as fast as um, soul sand blocks pushed you up. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. I'd be curious to see if that would actually work. Uh, I would imagine the reason they don't is because it would probably be problematic in like day one when you're, you know, sailing across an ocean in a boat and you fall off in a magma cube just or magma blocks kind of goes whoop and you're, all yeah. of a sudden you're 40 blocks underwater, yeah. for, no armor, no nothing. For people <laughs> you know, who don't done. have the best motor skills or reaction times or whatever, yeah. I imagine it's, it's it's a little bit of a concession to players who maybe 
yeah. can't react to that stuff as fast for sure yeah exactly uh i've i do find phantoms are just annoying uh they don't really pose much much of a threat anymore uh i think the sound and the ambiance is great i think it's nice uh that they've been added to the game it's cool that they're the source of a very rare drop but their terrible accuracy and incredibly slow speed is just kind of like oh god phantoms i want like just i'm I just gonna go to bed so the screaming stops. Like I don't really care yeah. anymore. I wonder if Phantom AI could be tweaked in the same way that Skeleton AI is, where they become more accurate on harder difficulties. Because I've really mm-hmm. noticed that in the change from normal to hard on the survival guide world, having skeletons be pretty much a hundred percent accurate instead of being like stormtroopers, it's been <laughs> it's been way more challenging. It, it really has. I've had to use my shield a whole bunch more, and people wonder why I still roll with a shield, guys. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's really it's really quite noticeable, and I wonder if maybe phantoms could maybe like maybe they just turn a little bit faster. That alone would be kind of yeah. intimidating. If like suddenly they they pull like a swift one eighty and they stoop and dive right back at you again, like that yeah. that kind of stuff, making them a bit more unpredictable would be great. Obviously, again, that's the kind of thing where day three of your world, if you still haven't quite got set up, you don't have a bed, there's no sheep around. Obviously, yeah. that becomes an inconvenience to players, but then hostile mobs are meant to be an inconvenience to players. That's kind of the point. It's how you learn. Yeah. So yeah. maybe phantoms could be tweaked in future. I, I agree with you. I love the ambience. The sound design for them is great. I actually really mm-hmm. like the style of the mob too, those ragged wings and stuff. It really mm-hmm. it, it came together a lot from the original designs, and I like that. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I kind of agree that they... I haven't thought about phantoms for the longest time in my world, mainly because I can sleep whenever I want to, but it's just, mm. it's just not a concern for me in the way that I expected them to be at first. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, they're called phantoms. What if they were able to go through walls like vexes? Right? Uh, I, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not keen, not keen to be honest. They, they, <laughs> having them swoop down and prevent you from sleeping because they can phase through your roof. Not so much. <laughs> not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it's only some blocks, like maybe they can't get through, heavier blocks or i i don't know I, I know i've mentioned before in the podcast that having phantoms be able to teleport like enderman would also be interesting too yeah um but nightmare, just, <laughs> nightmare you know i yeah yeah i mean i just something just currently they do just look really dopey like because you can stand there and go like right here guys right here i i would really like the opportunity to fight you so i could potentially get a drop but in order to do that you have to find me first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just, and you're standing like in a field. Yeah. They're just you know? like bouncing and off the tall does, grass around you, you know? Yeah. It feels yeah. a bit weird. Um, so to move on, uh, Tridents, specifically Riptide. And, and I could, this could be a very unique case. I found one Trident. I wasn't even looking for it. It just happened to be dropped from a drown that I, that I hacked when he was annoying me. Uh, and I've not used it because I have no need for it. Now, I don't have an underwater base. I don't fly around in the rain very much. Uh, I've seen them used in videos, but it's just one more thing that I have to carry around that does not seem to be nearly as effective as my bow. Yeah. Uh, So I really, I don't see, I don't see the big draw to them outside of like, if you wanted to clear a guardian temple. Now here, our guardian temple was already cleared before one thirteen dropped. So we didn't, if we were to clear another one, then yes, I would think I would probably grab a trident because of the advantage of killing underwater mobs with it. But other than that, I, I don't really find them as a huge addition to the game. Yeah. I got a trip, uh, trident with riptides fairly recently. I got my second trident in my world after losing the first one to the charged creeper incident. And, I have used it a couple of times, but I feel like Riptide is best when it's raining and now I sleep so much to avoid 
phantoms and because I want to skip the nights that I never get rain because it's basically always resetting the, the weather cycle. So right. I feel like I don't get the usage out of Riptide that I want to. Um, and as far as, yeah, navigating around in water, it would probably more convenient if I had an underwater base right now, but I don't. The swamp that I've been sat in is, you know, not really worth Riptiding my way around. And I find that the idea behind them in a, in a way is being able to like launch yourself into the air with elytra and then once you're up there you can open your wings and go and i find that element of it kind of unresponsive like you can't open your wings nearly as fast as you want to you're already like coming down from the apex of your riptide leap by the time you can open your wings and so you get to glide maybe 20 blocks before you hit the ground again and that's mm. when your problems with like elytra and water contact come into play and yeah i just I, I don't use Riptide nearly as much as I expected to. I don't think the Trident's all that good as a weapon, considering it's only really effective against one hostile mob, which is the Guardians. Like, if, if you've got Impaling, it only works on underwater mobs. Guardians are the only ones that attack you. Drowned don't count. So, yeah, I, I, right. feel, I feel like Tridents, they have a lot of potential and they're cool as a bit of variety, but they're not going to be everybody's first choice. I think you need to make a conscious choice to be like, I'm going to be Aquaman today. And that's when yeah. you start using a trident. That's basically yeah. basically it for me. Yeah, I also feel like they they're a weird model compared to the other weapons and items in the games that are all pixel box art. And this is a weird block model. Like yeah, it, it kind it, of it, it feels it off. deviates a little bit from the current sort yeah. of design style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of all the underwater stuff, uh, coral blocks, uh, super cool, super pretty. But I don't yeah. use them. I yeah, I haven't used them nearly as much as I expected to. I was expecting like the the live coral to be like a nice pop of color and the dead coral to be just a fun like thing you could work into the gray as we've covered in previous episodes when we were talking about the textures the texture is too warm and mm -hmm. it doesn't really fit too with much. regular stone um the the only the only way i've managed to get coral to work in my current world is have i can't remember if it's brain coral it's the the pink one I think uh, you, you get yep, dead, dead, dead yeah. stuff uh, of that and then you mix it around mycelium and it looks like this kind of corruption effect that I'm using to spread across the land and kind of terraform it. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. 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 I, I haven't seen, used I've it nearly as expected to. I've seen it used better when it's not trying to be stone and when it's trying to be burnt wood and ash. Yeah. Like I've yeah. seen volcanic biomes. I think I've seen Good Times with Scar use it in like burnt trees and stuff. Yeah. Uh, to, to get that kind of dead look to things. But it doesn't seem to doesn't seem to really jive with anything else. And then the live coral blocks, like it's just such of a pain in the butt. Like it it would be a little bit different if the water had to be close by as opposed to directly next to it. Yeah, uh, keeping, I've even keeping them some, alive is really difficult. Yeah, I've been trying to do some experimentation because of the the sci-fi realm that I want to start building in. And I thought, well, okay, if this is a sci-fi realm, then I mean things can float. Right, things can hover and be cool and weird. So I've I've got some builds where I've got like you know bright colored coral blocks floating on a single column of water that has like floating glass panes and stuff around it, and they look cool. You know, like but I could arguably do the exact same thing with a piece of concrete, yeah. just as bright, mm -hmm. right? But I mean, now coral has got a different texture; it has a different look to it, uh, you know, and has more variety in the color. So like a a yellow coral is not just yellow; it's got like little bits of orange and white and things like that. So depending on what you want to go for. Or, you know you have some opportunities to do that um but same idea you can't if if a coral block is water 
not waterlogged, but if it's next to water and alive and you put a coral fan on it, the coral fan still dies. Yeah, yeah. Because it it's not that coral fan. Sustain itself through not, the same sort you know, of thing. Yeah. Correctly through water. Yeah. So it's, uh, and I've been working on some fun ideas to try and come up with a way to do a coral farm, not, not a farm that's um that's functional but like a, a an aesthetic farm that you walk by and essentially you just have to you have to waterlog a bunch of slabs and put coral stuff on them and it's just, it's, it's a weird it's a weird thing to try and do uh to try and sort it out uh and it it, it seems to be an awful lot of work for very little reward so I, i'm, I'm kind of disappointed i think coral could benefit from a system kind of like they have with scaffolding blocks where you can kind of connect them for a certain distance away from the root of the scaffolding block imagine doing Ooh, that with coral yeah. but like only the bottom block has to be waterlogged or like next to water and and then you can have a coral plant climbing out of like a lake or something like that and the rest of it is sustained mm. just by drinking water from the bottom of it and right. I, I would i would much prefer that it's one of the things i wanted to do with my um tory gate um like nether portal on the decidedly vanilla server is grow red coral up the side of it to kind of match the red concrete I was using to build it. But then I couldn't because it involved bringing the coral out of the water and there wasn't really a way to make it look natural and still have it waterlog like that. So yeah, yeah, I would, I would love it if coral could be grown up from a base block and have, you know, the rest of it stay the same color, but then you remove that base block from the water or you dry up the water around it and then everything dies almost like a chorus plant breaking. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, my last item on this list is uh, blue ice. It doesn't affect mobs. It's too much of a pain in the butt to craft and use and uh, for items and, and players. And really, you already travel pretty ridiculously fast on packed ice and mm-hmm. items the same. Uh, so uh, I've been using ice to move mobs faster because packed ice and blue ice don't affect them. So really, blue ice is just really expensive and not that useful. Yeah. And do, you, do, you, do you like you the look have... of it out in, in iceberg biomes? Do you think it really adds to the iceberg biomes? I don't know if I've seen it. I think I think yeah. we only have one iceberg biome and I flew by it once to say, oh, hey, cool, we have one of those. And that's it. Because when I the, the ice biome that I go to collect stuff from is an ice spikes biome. Sure. So yeah. It does. It doesn't have the blue ice, right? Like they just have the packed ice. Yeah, and they, the they, they were they were an older uh, addition yeah. to the biomes. So yeah. So I just I haven't bothered, you know, and 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 really that ice spikes biome has enough lakes that freeze that I just end up collecting uh, both some. I collect some packed ice, but mostly I just collect ice, and then I use ice more than I do packed ice. So I'll just I'll make ice or packed ice out of ice, and then just never bother to collect you know, blue eyes. I've got a stack of it somewhere, but I've just not had the use for it. Now, if someone has a very specific, like long nether tunnel, that's a boat road or something like that, then sure. Like I I get, I get that you can travel at like ludicrous speed, but I just, I haven't had the need for it because chances are I would rather just jump in a large enough tunnel that I can fly down with my Elytra, uh, than have to get in in and out of a boat. Yeah, uh, that's, to do that. Uh, that's my my problem is I've built these two long tunnels and I, I I still fly through the one the shorter of the two that gets me to the Guardian Farm. Like I've still mm-hmm. just I still just fly through it because it's it's more convenient than making sure I brought a boat with me. The longer of the two has the blue ice in it and I can notice the difference. It is genuinely very fast and I'm happy about that. Especially if you're going a long distance in the Nether. Yes, that's going to be perfect, mm. but it's not really something you can automate very easily like you can say a minecart 
Um, so you you can't you can you can have a boat dispensed from a dispenser, but I think it has to be on water. So it's it's a little bit tricky remembering to bring a boat with you for those things. And mm. there are so many fringe cases where blue ice sort of makes sense, but I agree it's it's nice to have maybe as like an afterthought, but it isn't really like as much of a feature as you expected it to be. Mm-hmm. And last is just turtles. I just I got nothing to say. Just, they, they've <laughs> yeah. added they've added nothing to the game. Uh, I like I like seeing turtles. I I think they are more of an ambient thing than everyone expected right. them to be. Everyone expected turtle shell helmets to be more desirable than they actually are. And yes, you've got mm-hmm. the turtle master potion coming out of that as well, but that's not desirable either because it gives you slowness six. Uh, then, yeah. Then there's there's uh, yeah there's a few things that are nice about turtles, but I spent an episode on them in Survival Guide, and I haven't really been back to them at all. And so they're they're a nice a nice ambient thing in much the same way dolphins are i think dolphins are sort of the same where they are an improvement to ocean life the oceans feel a little more atmospheric having them around you have that dolphin's grace effect which is kind of cool and if you can make a, a dolphin highway through the uh the kind of right ca- catching dolphins like i've seen folks on servers do uh, as xp did it on the decidedly vanilla server between my base and his um that's that's cool and it allows you to swim real fast which is is great but it's so tricky to do in the first place and the other feature of dolphins being like they you know direct you to shipwrecks and treasure and stuff i can already see the shipwrecks <laughs> and and like when, mm-hmm. when it comes to like diving down to treasure chests and underwater ruins and stuff i don't need the assistance it's fun to have as a feature it's like a fun like extra thing that they can do but it's not something that's really changed the game for me in any big way. Not that I expected dolphins to, but uh, no, yeah. no, I feel the same way about dolphins. Like yeah, it's fun when you hear them chatter and jump out of the water when you're on the beach. But that's it. Like, yeah. you know, I've got no other real, no other real use for them. So, good, good but what about you? Like, what what are the things that you've you've been um, noting about one thirteen? So, like I said, improvements to ocean life is great. Not just the animals, but the kelp and the seagrass and everything. Like, all of that stuff is a great mm. addition for me. I mean, kelp is useful for creating water sources if you don't have ice and that kind of stuff. It's It's been great for, you know, combining with the bubble column stuff to make soul sand bubble elevators. Right. Um, but seagrass actually adds a lot of ambience just to the average pond if you're building them, like, in your, your plains village or whatever and you want to have, like, a nice lake. Just having something that you can put at the bottom of that, as we've mentioned, bushes don't really waterlog particularly well. Bushes, I mean leaves, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, you, you can you can add seagrass to it, and you can seagrass anyway. You just bone meal it, and it it looks really nice. It also it, it it kind of it populates it with seagrass almost too much, and you always find yourself having to trim it back because there's there's so much of it at that stage. But that that kind of thing, and having it all be nicely animated, because regular plains grass doesn't sway in the wind but then you have mm-hmm. kelp and seagrass moving underwater really lends atmosphere to the oceans that they just were completely devoid of before. Um, Agreed. Also, underwater visibility is much better. Player movement is way better with swimming. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the fact that we actually now have a swimming mechanic instead of just bobbing with depth strider. It's actually it's made uh swimming without depth strider more bearable <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll say oh, that like ab- it's- absolutely yeah no i agree and i should i should go back to my note about elytra getting in and out of water without elytra just as a regular you know minecraft player with armor on is way better in 113 yeah like w- way better yeah. absolutely so big fan of the swimming mechanic being a thing um water locking blocks is also quite a cool feature uh like we said it, it feels kind of inconsistent with how it's been applied but having the ability to waterlog stairs and slabs and have that be kind of a feature of 
you know, walkways and things like that, having little paths with gutters that run with water and being mm-hmm. able to build a pontoon in a swamp where they've got like, you know, a, a jetty heading out into the swamp and some of the slabs are half submerged in water, but then they don't feel like they've got like a giant air bubble underneath them is right. wonderful, aesthetically speaking. Being able to build underwater, not that I've done too much of that, but it's really, really nice to be able to place blocks underwater and not have to deal with all of the the horrible kind of glitchy looking water texture on the sides um so so yeah i think waterlogging while it's got its problems is still a vast improvement over what we had previously like you i'm not super fan of the drowned and the phantoms drowned just feel like another zombie yes they've got sort of unique Mm -hmm. items but that's the only real draw to them i find that with drowned i either can't find them when i want to if i want to get myself a trident or a nautilus shell or something like that and then when I'm not looking for them, they turn up in droves. And I, I, I gather that drowned are kind of a plague on bedrock uh, platforms as well. So they just spawn everywhere in rivers. and They're, they're a pain to deal with. They also spawn more frequently with tridents uh, as well as dropping tridents more frequently. So it's either one way or the other. You either There's a, a wasteland, you don't find any drowned whatsoever, or you're just absolutely plagued with the things. So not the biggest fan of them, but you know, it, it means we get something a little bit more unique. It's a unique way to acquire the Trident, which I'm okay with. Uh, the Trident itself, I'm kind of on the fence about still. I don't use them that regularly, but I think it's nice that we have a, a weapon that feels like unique that way and can't be crafted and you have to kind of find it. It's it's not always... It, it's difficult to find and it's a bit of a challenge and I like that element of it because it's it's a way to challenge yeah. the player to acquire a, a treasure type item without just having them look for this structure that's got these loot chests in it and hope you get lucky. So I, th- I think yeah. that's that's an approach they could maybe take with future mobs as long as they're not just another reskin of a zombie. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, they could do that with other things. Like you imagine if there was a specific enchant on a sword that you could only get if it was dropped by a skeleton or only drop, or similar to like how wither skeletons have, you know, people collect their skulls for beacons. Like what if um, one of the what if one of the things that a blaze dropped was, was a, a weapon that you could only get if you, you know, farmed enough blaze and it was rare and, you know, had all those kind of things to it. Yeah. Uh, I do like, I do like that mechanic. I agree. Um, I think with the drown too, like it's one of those missed opportunities. Like how hard would it have been to put a fishtail on the drowned, right? And just not have them come up <laughs> just on make land. Them merfolk just have them instead. Yeah. Just have them be merfolk. You know, have them like we, we spoke a little while ago on the show about having like those 1950s classic mar- monsters, like Frankenstein's <laughs> yes. monster, Dracula's and, 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 and all Mummies that kind and of stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mummies and werewolves and things like, so how hard would it have been to turn, just turn them into the, like the, the creature from the black lagoon, you know, like that, that kind of a, an homage to those weird, those weird creatures. And then, they would be a little bit faster in water, you know, like, I mean, right now, the reason why they're not a threat is because it's like, it's like that moment from Shaun of the Dead when the zombies are coming down the road and the two main characters have enough time to talk to one another, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. without, before running away. Uh, so that, that kind of thing, I think it's just, it's, it's a little bit um, unimagined. Uh, yeah. So I agree. Yeah, uh, I think conduits are really cool. I mean, again, I don't use them all that often, but when I do, I'm very glad that they exist. Infinite water breathing is a very useful accompaniment to an update where we're encouraged to build underwater. And yeah. and so that's been very useful. I've been doing a bit of building in my swamp sort of area of the town and having a conduit just tucked away in a cave nearby. I've just been able to not worry about having water breathing potions or anything like that for a little while. So 
While they don't really do much compared to their counterpart of beacons, I think conduits are a good addition and a good like a good interpretation of Minecraft being kind of low tech, but having that mystical vibe to it. I also like the fact yes. that they've got they've got tiers of power within themselves, like the the conduit power effect gets better the more you build the frames around it. I think that's a uh, a neat way of implementing that, but not making it too powerful. So I'm I'm a fan of conduits. Yeah. I also like the fact that they are good as light sources because you can potentially use them for like little floating lights if you have an abundance of hearts of the sea and nautilus shells and you're not really sure what to do with all these conduits. Build them into your structures. They give off light even when they're not underwater, unlike sea pickles, which uh, have to be underwater, but are also still quite a nice light source. Hmm. Yeah, no, sea pickles are one of the things that are on my, on my positive list of, of things that I really liked about the, the update. Uh, and also does make me question why they don't add more light sources yeah. with every update <laughs> i mean we've got a couple coming means... in 1.14 that i'm very excited about so it would yeah it would definitely yeah, yeah, but... behoove them to uh, to add some more stuff in future if uh, mm -hmm. if the community reacts well to lanterns and campfires which i think they really have yeah especially if you can do something that's a little bit more magical like sea pickles it doesn't make any sense that they're light sources but it's fun it's minecraft you know like i i would love to, to if they had some sort of mineral similar to how you place one to four sea pickles on the ground and it has a predetermined kind of you know way of, of of emitting light and it has a pattern it would be really neat if you could gather gather some sort of crystal that then you could place at various points in the cave cave ceiling cave floor cave wall and depending on whether you've put one two five whatever it would emit different kinds of light and then you would be also in control of like all oh, this cool spiky crystal coming out of the wall you know and, and and how it how it looks and i think that would be kind of a fun a fun way to add some different light sources without just giving people another one by one meter block that emits light yeah uh, having having it be something a little bit different because then you could do cool stuff like you know putting one on a table on the inside of a build and you know have that little kind of minecraft rp of like well if these crystals exist in the world then it would be it would make sense that instead of lighting candles people would just have little chunks of them lying around for light sources on coffee tables and things like that anyway so just kind of a thought that just like just kind of popped in my head uh right now there you go get on it and, Yang. and yeah I, you know what i have never built a conduit we have one that i know of on the server and it's because they're just so hard to get the Nautilus shells for that I've just never had the reason to get one. Probably because yeah. I don't have an underwater base. Like I said, all of our big heavy underwater work was already done before 1.13 dropped. Uh, I know that Matcast made one and I think he made it by AFK fishing. I think yeah. that's how he got the Nautilus shells. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't. I, I wish that because I know that in, in Bedrock, it's a lot easier to get nautilus shells from drowned if you convert zombies to drown so you could convert a zombie spawner into a drown maker and then kill the drown and then hopefully get more nautilus shells it's reduced but i think it's more viable whereas in java it's reduced to the point where it's like not worth it yeah like yeah. you'd be you'd be if you're going to be afking for that long to get nautilus shells from drown you might as well just make an afk fish farm and get them that way right mm -hmm. so and none of those feel like the intended way you know that moyang wanted you to collect nautilus shells from drown in java um but um and part of it again is probably because i've not i'm not in the water i'm not spending a lot of time in the water so i'm not encountering as many drowned as one would think so i statistically i'm just not seeing any nautilus shells but um i've been near one it's handy but i mostly i've just been relying on water breathing potions yeah I think the last thing I want to bring up as a positive is bubble columns and item floating mechanics in general. I credit a couple of things with really getting me into understanding technical Minecraft, and that's bubble columns and observers. 
I think with the two of them, I can at least do what I want to do in terms of technical stuff, which is not, you know, vast redstone gadgetry and so forth, but it's item transport and it's practical stuff like that. I mm-hmm. I love having observers in the game, it, you know, generating a one tick pulse, which is what they do typically is is very useful to me in terms of activating stuff. And the, the way of doing that with a redstone circuit before was far more complex. And it's managed to compact stuff like that into a single block that makes it very easy to do. Likewise, bubble columns uh, have encouraged me to play around with item transport because upward movement doesn't involve redstone-heavy dropper pipes that have to be activated with redstone torches ticking on and off around them or glitchy item elevators where you have to make a solid column of material and make sure that the the item just kind of glitches up to the top of it. And Mm -hmm. so while I fully agree that magma block water columns are overrated, especially for player transport, I think soul sand bubble columns are the business. And I will fight anybody who says otherwise, but I'm pretty sure you're in agreement. Oh, 100%. Especially like, I mean, long distances, sure. But like, it is incredibly handy to realize that you've made two water, you know, channels and realize, crap, I've made one three blocks lower than the other. And all you have to do is just put two blocks of water with this piece of soul sand and like, boop, done, fixed. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's seamless. Nothing ever glitches out. It works exactly as advertised. Um, You can also get into some really fun kind of mechanics too with bubble columns because if you don't cap them, then the the items will actually fly quite high in the air. Yeah, yeah. uh, And you can, falling entities, and there's all kinds of really fun stuff that you can do with them. But yeah, no, I agree. I think um, item transportation and water mechanics as far as items go are probably my favorite thing about 113 i would agree uh, I, I think I, yeah yeah i love i love being in my swamp base that i've been working on and being able to see items flowing around and going through the different things and i i feel like i've i've sort of made the i don't want to say mistake but like all of the water filter systems that i have are all high and they're too high for me to actually see the items which is kind of silly because it's kind of one of my favorite things to do but you have to do that in order to have like the hopper systems and the and the um and the the, the chests below that so that you can then uh you know have the have the items uh come in and 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 be filtered and put the way that you want but it never occurred to me to bring the items in low where i can see them all uh and then just quickly put them up high before they get filtered out right like mm-hmm. for whatever reason you always think like law of least effort like you know bring them in high and then just always have them go lower to get to where they need to go so that you don't have to go up and down you know but in really but it doesn't matter in minecraft you, know, like, you mm-hmm. can do it however you want so i mean if i ever do that again with water streams i might put the water streams lower so that you can actually see the items traveling along um in some cases, it's practical to have them out of sight or covered up because then you don't have mobs that are picking up items and and, and then the mob is not despawning and stuff like that. But uh, if you have them in a way that's encased, then I think it'd be kinda, it, it becomes more fun to see things moving around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I feel like the floating mechanics, like the way that items float, the speed at which you can transfer items now with water uh, is way more fun and faster and I think easier for for people to accomplish in game rather than needing an iron farm and having dozens and dozens of hoppers always mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that and and the fact that it's just made that stuff accessible to me as a somebody who's not been super into redstone mechanics before this 
is mm. one of my favorite things and it's it's something that's really solidified this update for me as one of my favorites just because of how much i've gotten into mechanics like that since since starting 1.13 so mm. yeah e- even though there are some uh, some things that we feel like are incomplete or things that we feel like were a missed opportunity i think it's it's still been a, a rather good update mm-hmm. yeah no i agree I reckon that's probably going to be it for our discussion today, though. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join the community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and get us closer to our next goal at $300 per show, where we will do a chunk mail dispenser, answering questions from patrons in our post-show, The Render Distance. We are currently at 91 patrons, which is another increase from last week. Thank you all for your support, and special thanks to our content engineers Pajitos, Panqua and Yitz for your support on this episode man we are getting really close to triple digits on those patrons that's amazing exciting time before before we hit triple digits on the episodes <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah yeah no it's always great to see yeah. the community growing people being welcomed into the spawn chunks discord it's it's fantastic and uh, we're hardly we're having trouble keeping up with it sometimes which is a, a great problem to have as we've said before but uh, yeah yeah i mean us personally and i've actually had someone comment to me at a former patron say that they or they're still a patron but they're just they don't participate in the discord because they find it too fast mm-hmm. um you don't you don't have with the discord you don't have to read everything you know you can just kind of what's nice about it is that you can come in and come out and if you have a question it's like what are people talking about why is this particular snapchat or or this not snapchat but this snapshot in the snapchat channel being so uh you know being talked about so heavily someone nice will just bring you up to speed like it's it's not you know it's it's not the kind of environment where you should feel obligated to be in there all the time and keeping up um but it's something that i feel everyone is welcome so uh, if you find a busy uh, Discord, because I mean, as the podcast gets more successful, the Discord is going to get busier. If you find it, you know, intimidating, please don't, you know, like, or, tr- or try to see past that and know that it can be a very casual experience. You can make, like like Minecraft, you can make the Discord the experience that you want to make it. Mm-hmm. If you want to be in there all the time, awesome. If you don't want to be in there all the time, that's fine too. Hey, I'm one of the people that runs the podcast and I'm not in there all the time. You know, like I, I, and I don't worry about it. Like if something really important is happening, someone will let me know, you know, like you'll, you will hear about it because it will either still be talked about or someone will just kind of like send you an at reply and, and let you know what's up. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun seeing the community grow, especially recently. Uh, speaking of growing the community, you can share the podcast with your friends. It's probably the easiest way to support the show. You can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at the Spawn Chunks. But personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Poke a friend in the arm and say, hey, these guys are cool. You should join the community. You should listen to the show uh, and help them out. Contact the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify, and also YouTube by just searching for the show name. The RSS feed is linked on thespawnchunks.com, and the patron only RSS feed is on the patron only page. And that is where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny. Online, I go by Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search, and I stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide series. Aside from that, I'm at Pixel Riffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? 
Everything that I am doing online is at joelduggan.com. That includes my illustration and design portfolio. I am also a podcaster on another show called The Citadel Cafe. We are currently talking about Game of Thrones. That's what we're talking about every week now until the end of the season. So if you're into that show and you'd like to hear more about it, then head on over to The Citadel Cafe and check that out. Uh, everything on social media is just my name. That's YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm going to point everybody towards Twitch. That seems to be where I'm hang hanging my hat a lot lately and uh, where people can come over and hang out. I don't have a schedule, but I do tend to stream more often on weekends, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, usually starting around 3 p.m. my time Atlantic, so that's around 2 p.m. Eastern if you're in that time zone. So just keep an eye out. Also, just follow me on Twitch, and you'll get a notification when I go live. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and now it has 100% more crossbows.